Crypto Watch is presented by theconstantinvestor.com. I'm Alan Kohler, and every day my writing and podcasts put the financial world into context with a focus on the issues that matter. Join us today. It's only a dollar for the first month. And now it's time for this week's Crypto Watch. Today's interview is with Lee Travers of Digital X. He's the CEO of Digital X, which is a listed ASX company. And I think it's the only ASX listed company through which you can get exposure to cryptocurrencies. Now, the the main business of this company, Digital X, is um, advising other companies who are in, involved in issuing um, coins, uh, cryptocurrencies, doing what's called initial coin offerings or ICOs. So it's making most of its money from that. It's also got a um, uh, cryptocurrency or currency transfer system using the blockchain, but it also holds quite a lot of bitcoins and other cryptocurrencies. Um, so it's got about, uh, I asked him this in the interviews, you can hear it, um, he's got about, they've got about 10% of their market cap of 87 million um, in, uh, in bitcoins and other cryptocurrencies. So there's a, um, a bit of interest to think about there. But look, um, there's two reasons for talking to Lee. One is um, just about the company itself, at this point anyway, just talking about the company itself. Is it worth investing in? How do they make their money? Uh, what are they doing? Uh, and the other, of course, is to uh, use him as a source of information about what's going on in this crazy world of cryptocurrencies. And um, he's definitely an authority on it. And he's explaining to us in the interview what's been going on with Bitcoins lately and what other cryptocurrencies are coming up. Here he is. Well, Lee, you're uh, one of the few, possibly the only, on the, I don't know of any others, stocks listed on the ASX uh, through which you can um, actually get exposure to the cryptocurrency world, I think. Is that right? That's right, yeah. DigitalX is the only company exposed to uh, different cryptocurrency asset classes. Currently, the company is sitting on uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Bankera, Fuel and PowerLedger. PowerLedger was the recent ICO uh, that was based out of Australia. They raised $34 million uh, to enable peer-to-peer energy trading, and obviously that'll uh, help boost the uh, solar energy adoption within Australia. So I was interested in the um, – you got a price query. It was interesting. You got, a, you got a query from the stock exchange, and your share price went from, I think, 6 to $0.08. Cents. Um, you got queried. Now it's up to $0.20 cents or something. So uh, – um, anyway, you, you got an early query from the exchange, um, and in response, you said that you hold a significant holding of bitcoins. So, how much bitcoin have you got? We've got over 450 bitcoins at this moment, um, and they're pr- currently priced uh, over 6,500 US after uh, just taking a, a backseat from um, recent highs of the US 7,500. Um, in anticipation of the Bitcoin fork. So um, yes. it's uh, been a, a great holding for us. We actually picked up that holding via the ASX's first Bitcoin transaction where we um, we sold shares in DigitalX for Bitcoins. Right. So what was the effective price that you paid for the Bitcoins? It was around 44, uh, 44.50 US. So a bit, a bit over 5,500 Australian dollars per Bitcoin, yes. Sorry, 5,500, so 4,400. 4,400 US, 5,500 Aussie, yep. 
Right, so you haven't made that much money on them yet, but you made a bit. No, we haven't. Um, certainly the the price run from around 1000 at the start of the year to, to highs of $7,500. Uh, we've taken some of that upside, but um, the investment that we received didn't come through until uh, around June this year. So the price had sort of tracked higher from when we originally announced the transaction and had to go through due diligence um, before the digital currency was sent through. Um, it was actually sent through an Australian, uh, West Australian public holiday. Um, we were able to move through the transaction much quicker because of the settlement times that, um, that Bitcoin has relative to what you have to wait for um, traditional banking. And did, did I hear you say that you own other cryptocurrencies as well? We do, yes, we do. So we actually hold uh, one of the other top three digital currencies, which is Ethereum, Ether. Um, that's a digital currency similar to Bitcoin. However, it's uh, referred to as it's more programmable. That means you can actually write contracts uh, using the Ethereum scripting language of Solidity. So it does all the payment um, aspects that uh, Bitcoin does. However, it's also got some uh, ability to, to write through the code in that. So me and you can, um, can make a, a wager. Uh, we can code that into the blockchain and, and payments are made automatically without having to use uh, a third party to, to manage that transaction. So no middlemen. So, so how much of your market capitalization of $87 million is made up of actual holdings of, in, in cryptocurrencies at, at their current worth? Just because of the continuous disclosure, I can't give you the exact figure, but uh, it's a little less than 10%. Right. Okay. So it's, it's not that much. You know, you're, you're around about the $8 million or so mark. Yeah. Um, now, uh, obviously, your main business is not holding those things. It's um, being involved in uh, advising people on initial coin offerings. Um, and... Um, I think it's great that you you did uh, you did one for Powerledger, the West Australian power company, and uh, in return for your advice, you picked up four and a half million of the coins that they issued. In the end, yeah, that's right. Yep, we um, and at a price, and that was at a price, and that was at a price at the time of eleven and a half cents, and now they're double that. So you, instead of getting half a million, you got a million. Yes, no, it's been um, a very successful project for us. Um, and that was obviously from uh, all the great work that the Power Ledger has done in, in bringing in some major partners, like major energy companies. They've um, actually taken off to um, the CES, Consumer Electronic Show, over in the US, um, looking to compete as one of the top 10 global startups. So it's a project that's gathering a lot of attention, uh, attention not just in Australia, but also internationally. Yes, indeed. Now, um, perhaps we just better go back a step and ask, what is an in initial coin offering? What, what is what what is that? What, and what, what if you participate in, and buy in a in an ICO? What do you get? What you receive from investing buying into an ICO is a digital token or a cryptographic token. And now that that token can actually represent a number of things. And um, in the case of, of Power Ledger, it was uh, a utility token. It was the ability to use that token and convert it directly into the platform for energy. Um, with Bitcoin, it's a, uh, it's a digital token that can be used as a store of value uh, and a digital currency. There is uh, 
a number of tokens that have actually come through initial coin offering processes, and they're actually securities. So they're registered the same way as what you'd do if you'd go through a typical IPO and have uh, disclosure documents and sophisticated investors, um, and those tokens can represent voting rights or a revenue share or um, and a, a, some equity in the project. So there's a number of different things. What we're mainly seeing in the marketplace right now is these utility tokens or app coins. And so investing into these ICOs for these projects allows you to directly use that platform. Um, it's not giving you any ownership for, for equity voting rights. It is giving you the ability to use the platform uh, with that token. So it's a pre-sale, in a sense, of, of their service. Exactly, yes. And so how much did PowerLedger uh, raise that way? $34 million Australian dollars. And were they oversubscribed? It was an uncapped sale. What they did have was a private pre-sale and a public uncapped sale. So um, all participants that wanted to, uh, to get in, as long as they were quick enough to, um, to establish a digital currency wallet, purchase some Bitcoin or Ethereum or Litecoin and, uh, and make an investment into the project, then um, they received their power tokens in return. There was um, incentives for being an early investor with regards to the price. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of being an uncapped offering, that's the way that was structured. Right, so the people who bought those, um, the, the, and they're called POWRs, uh, powers, I guess. Is that how you say it? Just power? Yeah, power. The, yep. the, the, co the tokens, people who bought those tokens in the ICO um, uh, are able now to become uh, free customers of PowerLedger for a while once, once, they, once they get going. So PowerLedger is a platform and what the, in terms of the customers, they, it's a peer-to-peer -peer platform. So you would actually use those tokens to purchase power off um, your neighbour in the grid. So if you had solar energy panels right now and you were reselling that power back to the grid, perhaps you'd get around $0.07 cents per kilowatt hour. Whereas if you were a buyer purchasing direct from the grid and direct from a major power company, you're paying $0.25. Cents. So there's a big margin in the middle, which what uh, large power companies are taking. Um, this Sparks token, which is what power lets you buy, is directly related to kilowatts of energy and you can use your power tokens to purchase energy for, for your home. Certainly at a, a startup <laughs> phase, so it's in trials in a number of different places, but it uh, hasn't been rolled out in, uh, I guess, mass scale across Australia yet. Um, so uh, what was the per, per token price in the ICO? In the ICO, it was 9.94 cents. In the pre-sale, it was 8.8 .8 cents, and those are US dollar values. So what was the, is it possible to tell me what the effective power price of that was? Effective. Well, the way that it works is that it's direct, those power tokens are directly um, related to the local power price. So given there's international pricing differentials, um, you'd see different uh, power relative to different kilowatts of energy pricing. Um, I don't have that figure off the top of my head, though. Right. So but it's, it seems like the PowerLedge one, anyway, was, was very similar in some ways to equity crowdfunding, where a company uh, uses the, an equity crowdfunding platform to pre-sell their product, whatever it might be. In some cases, 
uh, craft beer companies have done it, and uh, the uh, uh, put investing in the investing in it uh, entitles you to buy beer at some point or, or get beer. Yeah, well, I, um, I think that um, we've got the the different platforms there. Crowdfunding, which enables anyone to actually purchase. Uh, Oh, that's right. So that's the project, and then there's a equity, equity crowdfunding. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, uh, so, but so you're saying very much like that Kickstarter product. Yeah, that's right. So it's it, um, and you're saying that there's a lot of different sorts of initial coin offerings, and so, um, uh, you'd need to, as an investor, you'd need to obviously investigate what exactly you're buying each time because it's different. Is that right? Definitely, you really need to spend a lot more due diligence than you would making a typical purchase. Um, you know, it's a decentralized world, which means that anybody is able to, uh, to launch their own tokens. So you do need to spend some extra time discovering exactly who the people are behind the project and then exactly what you're purchasing. You know, if it's, if it's just in your mind, you're purchasing a digital token, well, you need to do some more research because you know, is that token going to enable you to be able to use the platform? Is it going to give you voting rights? Is it going to give you some revenue share? You know, have they done this project properly so that uh, you know any regulation won't uh, negatively impact your purchase? Yep. Um, now I, I take it that your um, your main thing is uh, something called Air Pocket. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, for sure. So Digilex's three business lines are developing our own technology using blockchain, providing advice to corporates, either in the blockchain or cryptocurrency space, and then uh, initial coin offering advice. The three markets there. In terms of that first one, we've developed our own products before, uh, one of which was a digital currency plating, trading platform, a wholesale one. And the second one, which you mentioned, is AirPocket, which is a money transfer app that enables anyone in the US to send uh, money transfers up to around uh, a couple of thousand dollars to anyone in 14 countries. And the way that it uses blockchain technology is to give users a digital identity, which is hosted on the blockchain, and then to provide a, a financial identity. And how it does that is it has a record of every transaction they make, which is hosted on the blockchain, and then they can share that with any counterparties they like. So if you're making transactions every month, you're, making, you're receiving a salary each month, um, potentially you're in Mexico and, and that's been happening. If you move to the US, trying to get access to any form of lending, any form of insurance, even a credit card is impossible. So our idea is that if you're able to share this transaction record where you've been uh, a good, uh, I guess, financial steward, then you should be able to get up the curve to get access to those basic financial services in a much quicker fashion than you could if you didn't have this service. So it seems to be two different things. One is to facilitate transfer and another is to improve your credit rating. That's right, yeah. I mean, the, the payments aspects is working working really well. The digital identity and, and the credit score mechanism, that'll take time, obviously. You need to have transactions on there and uh, and then have you know adoption within the financial community for that to really take off. But uh, the technology implementation behind that is a, a product called AirID, and we have filed patents for that in the way that we're using blockchain. So, you know, we're still very positive about uh, a good future for that product. And uh, what's the uh, cost of using your uh, process for transferring money and how much do you get? So in terms of that product, our costs 
are cheaper than the Western unions of the world. They're around about 4%, 4.5% tops for you know, a $200 transfer. Um, it's not exponentially cheaper than what you'd be using with um, other money transfer companies out there. And that's because we're still reliant on traditional banking rails. So we've got a partnership with one of Mexico's largest bank, banks. Um, we use their licensing infrastructure as well as their uh, payments infrastructure so that you know, we can have instant payments to our consumers. Um, I know there are some competitors out there that are looking to do digital currency transfers as well. So you can actually have lower cost transfers. Uh, our experience was that uh, a lot of the audience that uses those international low-value payments, you know, it does need some more education to get up to speed with digital currencies. So I think that's probably like a, a five-year proposition away from us. But certainly when the market's ready, we will be ready to do that as well. So um, when you're mature and you know, you're ticking along, perhaps you even are now, but um, uh, when, where are you going to make most of your money from? I think the, the biggest aspect we were making money of the near term would be the ICO corporate advisory. Um, the demand for this service right now is incredible. Uh, we're seeing you know, $3 billion US raised already this year, which is a market that's challenging the IPO market out there. Uh, and DigitalX are in the box position. I mean, if you have a look at where our teams come from, um, it's a group that uh, was behind the first Bitcoin meetup in the world. Um, it's a group that uh, our president, for example, was a uh, top economist. He was advising the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Um, my position in Australia sees me as vice chairman of Australia's industry body. So having a great understanding of you know, where the regulatory scene is at, um, having a great network through DigitalX being listed over three or four years and supplying all the digital currency exchanges with liquidity. So I think that aspect of our business will be huge. But what we're also seeing is on the blockchain consulting side, you know, a lot of companies out there that you wouldn't traditionally expect would be, you know, looking at cryptocurrency and looking at blockchain, they're really starting to have a good look. So I'm quite confident that that uh, um, side of the business will, uh, will be our fastest growing arm. Right. And what's been going on in the cryptocurrency market lately? I mean, Bitcoin's been uh, all over the place. Uh, apparently because of the fork not going ahead. Tell us about that. Exactly. So basically anyone in the cryptocurrency world that's using Bitcoin and using um, uh, a node, running a full node and uh, using Bitcoin miners, they can propose a new, uh, a new type of Bitcoin. So it'll be able to have a different aspect of security, different aspect of scalability, you know, more transactions, for example. So that can get proposed at any time. And what we saw was a, a fork that was proposed to enable uh, Bitcoin to have uh, more scalability, basically more transactions per second. Um, that was about to be announced um, late last week. However, the fork didn't go ahead. You know, there's actually already a digital currency out there called, called Bitcoin Cash that uh, technologically achieves a lot of the things that uh, you know, the Bitcoin fork uh, in terms of SegWit was hoping to achieve. So there wasn't that community consensus. So they called it off. Um, what we did see was the price of uh, Bitcoin drop around 25% in only a couple of days. And uh, that alternative Bitcoin cash, the price of that obviously went up. Uh, however, we've only seen a few days since then and, and Bitcoin's almost recovered back to where it was. 
So you're really seeing the resiliency of Bitcoin, you know, in seemingly any kind of adversity is unchallenged. It's, um, it's keeping its place as the digital gold of the cryptocurrency marketplace. And it's, you know, really less of a currency and, and more of a store of value. You're seeing other emerging currencies as well as Bitcoin Cash, you know, really act as more of a, a payment or currency solution. So, so would you pay $7,000 or $7,500 for a Bitcoin? And if so, why? I would, of course. I mean, I believe in the currency and I uh, have been purchasing the digital currency since it was around about $200. I think um, as a store of value, you know, what do we have as there in the marketplace right now? It's, it's gold. I really think Bitcoin fills that void as the digital gold much easier to transfer a portion of your wealth to somebody. It's much easier to, um, to keep from a, a storage point of view. It's um, you know, potentially more durable as well. Um, yeah, the fact that uh, the security aspect of it, I think, is, is far stronger. It means that um, I think it's a, it's a better proxy. Also looking at just, just the pricing. I mean, Bitcoin's valued around $100 billion. Gold's valued at $8 trillion. There's you know, 80 times uplift just to match gold. So I think uh, there's plenty more legs in the, in the price yet. Um, we, we have seen a lot of volatility recently. So, you know, for those that uh, are interested in investing in the currency, you know, uh, I would suggest, you know, at least sort of taking uh, taking a small portion to start with, but um, you certainly can look to, to pick up some of the dips because you know, there is uh, certainly some volatility in the marketplace. So, I mean, gold is no longer a currency. Do you think that Bitcoin is gold, as you say, or is it a currency? I think, well, I think gold is, is more of a store of value rather than a currency. And I think that's the same with, with Bitcoin. Um, there is you know, transaction fees in Bitcoin um, right now because you know, the scaling of Bitcoin isn't quite where the demand is for Bitcoin right now. There is so much demand that there is, you know, there is some, uh, transaction fees, so it's not suitable for you know 50 cent style payments right now. Um, and there's also you know a time for confirmation. So I think uh, Bitcoin's a far more valuable tool as a store of value rather than a currency at this point. Right. And what about all the other cryptocurrencies? I mean, in terms of value, it's Bitcoin and then Daylight and then Ethereum and then Daylight again, and then there's all these other long tail. I mean, as you say, there's Bitcoin Cash, and that's kind of been going up a bit. That's been going up as well lately. But there's this very long tail of hundreds of cryptocurrencies, which and there's sort of a fair bit of uh, uh, speculation going on, a lot of playing around with those. Um, is there anything worthwhile going on in that space? Definitely. I mean, Bitcoin, the Ethereum, as you mentioned, Bitcoin Cash, they dominate the market. Um, some of the older coins that have been established around the longest, like Ripple and Litecoin, they're actually some of the most valuable as well. But certainly there's some, uh, some new Bitcoin, uh, sorry, new blockchain protocols that are definitely taking, taking some good leaps there. Um, NEM's actually a blockchain protocol that's uh, getting a lot of attention now um, that has um, a different sort of consensus mechanism. So the way that uh, the marketplace agrees on whether a transaction is valid or not, is, uh, is a new way through NEM, and I think that's, that's something that's worth looking at at around 19.5 cents. Uh, Ethereum, as you touched on, I still think there's a lot more legs there at US 320. Uh, Power Ledger, 
I think that's uh, obviously generated some significant interest from Australians. Um, and there is a project that we brought through, which is around generating a digital currency for the artificial intelligence marketplace. It's the AGI token. Uh, it's called Singularity Net. We took them on a roadshow through Australia with the Sophia robot, and we had sold-out events in Perth, Sydney, and Melbourne. Uh, the Australian media absolutely loved it. Uh, ABC TV, they were in the Australian, in print, digital. So there's um, a lot of interest in that project. And as I mentioned, it's for the artificial intelligence marketplace. So you can purchase any artificial intelligence algorithms that you'd need. And then once there's adoption there, we're literally talking like artificial intelligence projects such as robots and things like that, machines, they can then purchase the algorithms that they need. For example, if you've got a robot that's giving a presentation to students um, around economic theory and he sees that there's a perhaps a Japanese student in the classroom that you know would uh, prefer to be spoken to in Japanese, he could then jump into that artificial intelligence marketplace web, purchase that uh, language processing for Japanese and be able to instantly communicate with him and obviously pay using that AGI token. So that's something that'll be coming through in the next couple of weeks. And as I mentioned, a lot of interest out of Australia for that one. Um, and I think that's one that's uh, up and coming worthwhile keeping your eye on. That was Lee Travers, the CEO of Digital X.